Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. So last week uh, I spoke about a prophetic culture, a prophetic slash encouraging culture, which was really cool that uh, Laura could come today and share her testimony. And I spoke about how the, the inseparable nature of encouragement with prophetic, that you can't separate encouragement from prophetic and still call it prophetic. And I just wondered if there's anyone here who, who's here this week, who was here last week, who uh, there was an aspect of that message that really encouraged you to encourage someone else to step out of the boat and really just share uh, either a prophetic word or to step out in faith and pray for something or something to do with that message uh, that stirred in you and you saw something happen during your week that you'd love to testify about. Um, so maybe even uh, now, maybe, you know, I'm just going to share real briefly, just going to uh, recap what I said last week. And as I'm sharing, I just want you to think about your week. And if there was something at the end, then I'm just going to invite you to come forward. So Paul said in First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, that, you talking to me? I don't know what that means. He said in First Corinthians 14, verse 3, that uh, all who prophesy, when we prophesy, we prophesy for people's strengthening, their encouragement, and their comfort. So when we prophesy, we prophesy for their strengthening, their encouragement, and their comfort. Now, there's more to the prophetic than that, but that is the foundation upon which we prophesy on. We prophesy in a way that's encouraging, strengthening, and edifying. Most people have a, have a relatively good sense of what God wants them to do, I believe. And most people, if, if it comes down to, if you can actually get them in a moment to be like, what do you feel like God wants you to do with your life? They're probably able to touch on something pretty, pretty close to it. But the challenge is most people don't believe that they are that person. Most people don't believe that they can actually fulfill that word. Or in Laura's case, she was aware that God had some callings on her life, some things for her to do. But she, she wasn't in a place where she actually believed she was that person. And it wasn't until someone actually called that out of her and said, hey, this is actually who you are, that she was able to believe in that. And that's what a prophetic culture does. And as you prophesy and encourage people, you shift the environment. And if you shift the environment enough, you change the culture. And once you've changed the culture in a place, it begins to happen at an accelerated rate. And we'll see a lot more people stepping into their God-given calling. They, they will see a lot more people like Laura or, or yourself, if you saw God move this week, uh, encouraging, ch- changing cultures, changing environments in your workplaces and your places of study. But that's the battle of, 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 am I that person? Am I that person that God has called me to be or that word spoken over me? Am I that person that can see that word fulfilled? In Judges chapter 6, an angel of the Lord, an angel means messenger, a messenger, a.k.a. like Andy Nye, comes to Gideon and says that, that, that you are a mighty man of valor and the Lord is with you. But Gideon just like argues and says, says like, where have you been? Like, what do you mean you're with us? Like, this, this, and this, the Israelites were being oppressed by the Midianites. So the angel goes again and says, uh, the Lord is with you, go forth. And the angel just keeps speaking over him, keeps prophesying, keeps encouraging him. And this dialogue goes on about four times and uh, Gideon responds, that, that how, can, how can I see start something happen in my life? I'm the sm- youngest person in my family from the smallest 
and our family is the smallest of our clan and the smallest of the tribes of Israel. How can I see God move in my life? I don't believe that word you are speaking over me, but the angel continued and spoke that word. And there's many of us who have received words over our lives about the callings that God has on our lives, but we struggle to believe if we can actually see them fulfilled. But in a prophetic culture, it keeps coming. And like the angel kept hammering away at Gideon, and eventually Gideon rose up, stepped into his God-given calling, and saw the Israelites set free from the Midianites. Most people... <coughs> The reason most people struggle to become all they are called to be is they struggle to believe they are all that they are called to be, if that landed. Because they struggle to believe that they are all that they are called to be. Am I enough is the question. So just really quickly, if there's anyone who feels like they have a testimony that might be encouraging uh, from something this week, then I'd encourage you to come forward. We're just going to hold it for a moment. Is there anyone who feels like sharing? Is it, was this from last week or is this just a random testimony? Did we hear last week? Okay, I might just hold on to that if that's all right. Um, does no one else feel to share? You want to? Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not that exciting, but I just thought I'd do it anyway. I haven't even really told you this, but that's cool. Um, so, as most of you actually know, I've started a new job um, in the hospital, and one of my biggest challenges is going from being with um, Christians most of my time to non-Christians. Now I'm with non-Christians most of my time, and it kind of initially just, um, uh, yeah, just made me a bit more reserved than I normally would be. Um, but after last week's message, I did really feel challenged just to even just encourage the people in my workforce. Um, and so I was having a chat, um, one lunch break with the social worker, and she was just sharing, um, uh, she was about to go have um, a bit of a counselling session with a 15-year-old girl who just had an abortion. Um, and um, I was just like, whoa, that's crazy. And so I just started to like really speak into her life, um, how valuable she is and how, um, I can't even remember what I said, just stuff about how cool it is that she gets to go on this journey with this 15-year-old girl and help her get through it and just say like, you know, I don't know, just all this stuff. And I suppose it was a bit of a prophecy encouragement sort of thing. Um, and then the next day I asked her how it went and she just seemed really like appreciative about um, what I said to her and the fact that I continued the conversation on like after it. And, um, and so then I got really encouraged and I did it to a few other people. I just encouraged like the SLT. I encouraged her and her workforce and a couple other nurses. And uh, yeah, it was just really cool. That's awesome. So, um, an encouraging slash prophetic culture is something that's really important to me, something really valuable in the areas where I lead young adults and internships. You will notice that happening in those environments. You'll notice a real value for prophecy and encouragement. But all truth is held in tension, and the, the value for prophetic and encouragement uh, needs to be held in tension with something else. If you make that, uh, like prophecy and encouragement, it's 100% true that, that you really want that to be a part of the environment that you're doing life in. But it's not 100% of the truth. If that becomes 100% of the truth, you're going to run into some problems. If the only culture we push here is to prophesy and encourage over, over one another, we're going to run into some problems. And one of those problems is we're going to create uh, in our life groups, in our church, in our internship program, we're going to create um, almost like a, a, a spiritual drop-in center where people come just for another hit. 
where people come just for another fix. They, 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 they get a fix of hope, and then they head out into the world, get discouraged, and they come back for a fix of hope. Now, it's okay for you to show up to church or to life group and to just really need some Jesus. Like, that's super healthy, super normal. But if that's every time, then that's a problem. And if that's what everyone in your life group's doing or everyone in your church is doing, then you've got something going wrong with your culture. And so there needs to be something that balances out this prophetic and encouraging culture. But to understand balance in the kingdom, balance in the kingdom isn't decreasing something that is good. To balance something in the kingdom, you never decrease something that is good. You never withhold goodness. Jesus will never withhold goodness from you. And as we balance a prophetic and encouraging culture, we need to not restrain it or limit it. Instead, we need to raise something else up that will hold it in line. And what I believe that is we need a culture that sends people out. We need to have we need to have and export a culture which values sending people out. An encouraging slash prophetic culture is a hundred percent true, and it's essential to seeing the fullness of Christ expressed through our lives. But that needs to be balanced. And um, to the best of my ability, I will never withhold a prophetic or encouraging word over someone's life, something that can bring strength or encouragement or comfort to them. Nor will I limit that culture from growing. But what I will push is a culture that values sending people out. But it's, uh, this is quite challenging to do. It's a lot harder than people think. Now, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He said, Come to me, all you who are struggling, who are doing it tough, and I'm going to give you some rest. I'm going to, I'm going to lift that burden from you, and I'm going to give you some peace. And then he said in John chapter 16, verse 33, that you will have trouble in this world. You will face challenges that life isn't easy. But he says to take heart, take courage, be encouraged, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome your problems before you face them. So be encouraged. And he says in John 14, verse 26, that he left so that the Holy Spirit could come. And he described the Holy Spirit as a comforter. So Jesus was all about encouraging, strengthening, and comforting us. But he was also all about sending people out. One of the first things Jesus did after he gathered his 12 disciples and he equipped them, he trained them, he then sent them out. And he didn't send them out to some like padded up playground. He sent them out into the real world. And he said that, that you're going to have to be as wise um, as serpents and as, as innocent as doves because I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. I'm sending you out into a world where you can be hurt. And that's really challenging for, for church leaders to do. That's really challenging for parents to do, to send their kids out into the world. Often we want to protect them. We want to make sure they're safe. But Jesus had a value for sending. And that value was extended to all of us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, where he said, uh, Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have taught you. And surely I'll be with you till the end of the age. So in that moment, he empowered every single believer who puts their faith in Christ to go, to be sent. And so my question for you tonight is, in your, in your place of work, your place of study, or your house, wherever you spend most of the time, do you feel sent? Do you feel sent? It can be a lot more challenging to send people than to encourage people. It's really easy to tell someone they're awesome, but it's really hard to tell someone you love 
to, to head on out into a world where they're going to be hurt. And that's a reality of life, and we need to trust God more than ourselves, and that's why we need to be okay with sending them. But it's a real challenge for, for church leaders, for leaders, and for parents to send the people that they love out into a world where they may not come back the same person, where they have to do relationship with people, where they have to be, be willing to give trust away that may be broken. They, they have to be willing to love people who may not love them back. And that's a real scary thing to do. So what some parents do or churches do is they actually, they actually don't send their people out. Like church finishes, but they don't actually send their people out. They don't actually say to them, hey, I'm actually sending you out. And so in, in doing so, they create a cycle and it is an option to grow a church, but it's not an option to grow a church that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of that's willing to take the risk to say to someone that I love, I love you so much, I don't want you to stay in the same place. I love you so much and the calling that's on your life. I want to see you take that out of this place and bring it to the people who really need it. And when you do that, you'll begin to see life groups. You'll begin to see churches and internships where people don't come along just for another hit, but some people come to give a hit. Because they've actually experienced some of God during their week. And they're actually coming excited. They're actually coming bringing a testimony. They're bringing uh, something of what they saw God do during their week into that service. And now church isn't just a time to fix our problems, but it's a time to celebrate God and be thankful for who he is in our lives. So I ask you again, what do you spend most of your time? What do you spend most of your time on during your week? And when you're doing that, do you feel sent? Do you feel a sense of purpose in that role and in that position? <clears throat> There's a couple of ways uh, to expand a culture in which people are sent in. And one of those ways is that we have a culture which values God's stories. A culture that values that, that his ears open up when they hear a God story, a testimony, something of which God did, that we actually have a value and a respect and an honor for, for God moving in people's lives. We as a church uh, from day one have always valued the testimony and every most weeks during the service we open it up for testimony time. Now that doesn't happen all the time, uh, as in like just anyone can come up, sometimes we'll pre-organize some. But as the church grows, that expression of testimony within the service will change, but that value for testimony won't. Whether it's on video notices, in life groups, in internship, in our young adults ministry, in our youth ministry, there's a value for testimony. There's a value for God stories because when you go out into your week, we actually expect that you carry something. We actually believe in you, which means we believe there's some, it's possible for God to move in you that week. So we create opportunity to see, to see how, how, how that went, how, how it went when the wheels hit the road, when the rubber met the road. Now, there's some challenges with that. We can find ourselves comparing um, ourselves and feeling sometimes more adequate when we have a testimony, but less adequate when we don't. But those are challenges we need to negate and move forward instead of removing uh, the, the, the testimony from our services or from our meetings. We need to have a value for God stories. I remember I was on a young adult retreat, and we're sitting down for lunch, and a, a friend's beside me. I just met him a couple of weeks earlier. He's a big Maori fella, and he's eating some chicken. And he's just like this, and he turns to me, he's like... So, Josh, what's God doing in your life? You know, and I'm like, that's my man, you know. I want to just, I want to talk about God stories. I want to see what God is doing in your world. Like, I'm, I'm relatively aware of the purpose on my life. And it's a real challenge for me to spend too much time with people who are unaware of their purpose on their life. It's a bit draining, but when you, when you begin to awaken to the purpose on your life, there's life that flows from yours, and I feed off that. So one way we can expand a culture in which people are sent 
is we, we create room for God stories. We, we, when someone's sharing with you about something they saw God doing, you actually give them your attention that, that moment. And um, I believe that every person in here, that if you have a heart to be a mother or father, that, that you will be because I believe God provides and he places dreams and desires in your hearts. But one thing you've got to find is when, you're, when your daughter's six-year-old or your, your son's eight years old, he's going to share something with you that's going to mean pretty much nothing in your day-to-day life, but it's going to mean the world to him. And you're really going to want to know how to value that in that moment because if you don't, he's going to have to be sozoed out of that and that may take a while. And so you want to learn now to value the testimony. You want to learn to value God's stories, no matter how small it appears to you culturally. No matter how insignificant it is to you, you need to learn how to value the God stories that people are sharing around you. They, they may say that they told someone that Jesus loved some, uh, they told someone, say, at the supermarket behind the till that Jesus loved them. And they may not impress you, but you're going to need to learn to value that because that may have been the first time. And that may be the last time if they, if they don't feel like they are, that they are celebrated or accepted because of it. So we need to learn to uh, create room for God stories, to try not to compare, and we need to learn to celebrate each God story for what it is. And secondly, uh, and last point, we need to spend more time talking about what we're doing about God's word and what we're doing about the promises over his lives than what we think about God's word and what we think about the promises over our lives. You see, it's a very like Greek sort of thinking which has an effect on our Western culture, which we in New Zealand live in, to really discuss ideas and what do you think about this and dialogue about something without it actually turning in to action. But the team that went to Israel recently found out firsthand how intense the, the Jewish culture is of like, uh, your actions actually really represent what you believe. And we know that, but we perhaps don't live it out as much. And there was a few on the team who um, were taken back when uh, some Jews asked them, you know, like, do you love Israel? And they were like, yes. And they, the, the Jews sort of said, well, like, how do you love Israel? Like, is there actually an expression of your love? Like, can I see your love for Israel and your money? Can I see your love for Israel and your time? Can I see your love for Israel and your prayer life? Like, is there an actual expression of that value? Or is that just an intellectual value you have for Israel? And so this is a bit of a challenging thing to do because we really value identity in this church. We really value the fact that you're righteous and that you're actually saved, not by actions. And we at no stage want to take a step forward into religion. But at the same time, we, we can't afford to avoid talking about how the world's actually experiencing us. We can't afford to avoid how our friends, how our family, how our boss is actually experiencing us. We have to be okay with talking about how we are actually fulfilling the will, the will of God over our life. Are we actually taking steps in that direction to see the promise fulfilled, or are we just talking about it? Because you can get to 30, to 40, to 50, to 60 years old, and you can still be telling your grandkids about the call that God had on your life and how beautiful it was. But they're going to really struggle with, with, with following God when they don't see you following Him, but you see Him talking about Him. We need to have a value for, for, what, um, for how we are following God, not just how we think we are following God. You are born again, and you are 100% righteous regardless of your actions. If you're not born again, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved, but it's not going to be by your actions. It's by faith in Christ's actions alone. But we have to be okay with talking about our actions and holding our actions up in the moment and being okay with feedback and someone actually sharing, hey man, the way you acted in that situation was really below who God's called you to be. 
And like I was listening to this man, Chris Overstreet, and he's just like so flippin' awesome. He's an evangelist, but he's just like the most amazing father in the world as well. And he was... um, he uh, felt like God said to him to pray for the woman behind the counter at a petrol station. And uh, he didn't, long story short, he got back in the car and he said to his friend, he said, oh man, I just felt like God said to pray for the lady in there. And I just didn't, I just feel a bit scared. And his friend like was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you talking to me about this? Get in there and pray for that lady. And he was like, that's right. And goes back in there and prays for this lady. And it was really powerful. But like, sometimes we need friends like that. Sometimes we need people in our lives to be like, okay, I really hear what you're saying, and now what, what are we going to do about it? What are you actually going to do about that dysfunction in your life? What are you actually going to do about your challenge at work? What are you actually going to do about that person you're really offended with? Like, like if we had a conversation, Matthew 28 verse 18, go into all the world uh, and make disciples of all nations. Like, have you had a conversation with someone about what are you doing about that verse? There was a great commission. It wasn't a great suggestion, but it's really easy to just to, to accommodate Jesus into our lives, to just allow him to sit on, sit on our side and we get to engage with him intellectually. But when it comes to actually shifting our value system, our bank, shifting our finances, shifting our time, shifting our roles, it's a bit more challenging. But that is the challenge. Revelation will turn into religion if there's no practical application. Revelation will turn into religion if there's no practical application. If all we do is talk about what God's doing in our lives, we're merely becoming more religious. But on the same token, we can't place all our faith in our actions. It's the tension, but we have to be willing to walk it out. We have to be willing to talk about both of them. And so I ask again, do you feel sent? Do you, feel, do you value God's stories and are you applying the truths you're hearing at life group, at youth group, at church? Are you actually walking these things out or are we just talking about them? You are loved. You are encouraged. You are strong. You are comforted in him, but you have also been sent. And I'm just going to pray for everyone in a moment. But specifically, I want to pray for, I'm going to pray for everyone, but I'm going to ask for, for if you really feel to respond to that, that you really feel like that after the service, when you walk out of here tonight, like you're actually going to walk out with a sense of purpose that you have actually been sent, whether into your school, your workplace, or your family. That if you actually feel like a response to that message, that you want to respond, and that you want to actually challenge yourself unto an action, a repentance changing the way you think, but it is unto a transformation of a person, then I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm just going to pray for you. And I want to encourage you, like, it's awesome. It's awesome living a life of purpose and being sent. Like, it's, re- it's, it's a really easy option to live an apathetic life. It really is. But it's really, it's really boring. And uh, this week, I um, had some guys come around and pick up a set of cabinets from our place. And a lady brought them to the auction. She said, hey, I've got some friends going to come around and pick it up. I'm like, Sweet. And so at like 6 o'clock, this Toyota Hilux with a massive exhaust, Bogans pull up, three burly-looking guys. And it's got this trailer on the back of the truck that looks like they've made it out of some Mad Max movie or, and spray-painted it black, and it's so not road legal. And there's a Woodstock can crushed in the back of the trailer. And, and I'm like, this is awesome because I have purpose in this moment. Like I'd already thought about it. I was like, people are coming around to my house, and I have a purpose. I've been sent. I'm not in church, but church is in me because church is Jesus Christ, not a building. And, and I was aware I'm sent. And I don't step out all the time in these moments, but I, but I constantly challenge myself to do, to actually have an action to the fruit that I speak about. And so they uh, started loading up the trailer. They knew what they're doing. They're all movers. 
And uh, they load this thing up, and then the, well, the head honcho guy said to me, right, we're done. And I just said, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, like, this is a bit different, but do you mind if, uh, like, I'm just a Christian, and I really feel like uh, that God just wants you guys to know that he loves every single one of you, and just share the gospel really briefly, just 30 seconds. And it was really awesome. And then the guy, um, the, the head honcho guy looks at me, he's like, why did you say that? And he's like, that's really interesting you'd say that. And he sits down in his trailer, pulls out a cigarette, he's like, do you mind if I have a smoke? And he has a smoke and he just shares a bit about his story and about his journey and it's, it's really rough and all, that, all, and all that sort of stuff. And um, so it's really cool. We got to just chat and I got to share a bit more about God's love for them. And he's like, right, we're going to head off. And I was like, hey, well, is it right if I just pray for you guys really quick before you go? And they're like, they're like yep. And so just prayed for them and then just blessed them. And they left and the, and the guy left. He's like, man, that was the best part of my day. <laughs> You know, but that moment came because I was sent. That moment came because I had purpose outside of church. I had purpose outside of life group. I had purpose outside of, of youth group. I had purpose outside of, of, of church because I am sent. And so I want to just pray for people in this room, but I really want there to be a response in your heart because it's really easy to, to follow the crowd, to put up your hand when everyone else puts up their hand. But I really want there to be fruit from this so that when I actually ask, you know, like next week, whether I'm preaching or not, I'm not sure. Um, if, if, you, if you saw God move or even if you stepped out, and I need you to know that bravery is a testimony. When you've, when you've done nothing but fear your whole life, the first moment you actually step out in bravery, which is in the presence of fear, Bravery and courage is only present when there is fear. If there is no fear, there is no courage required. When you actually step out and that, that's actually a testimony. It doesn't matter if the person got healed. I know we fight for that, but some of us need to just celebrate bravery. And so if you actually want to respond to that, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm just going to pray for you if Ben wants to come up. So if that's you, but genuinely only stand up if you feel like you want to really respond to this. You really want to take this to heart. But if you're seated, I also want you to just, just receive as well. So everyone just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your empowering presence in this place. We welcome your transforming presence in this place. We just pray right now that that same power that, that fell on the disciples in the early days would fall on this, on this room, God. I just pray that every person here would get a sense of the power of the Holy Spirit that is within them, that has equipped them for good works of the kingdom. That every person here has, been not, has not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. That every person here is sent, every person here is equipped, and every person here has a purpose in the pursuit of seeing God's kingdom invade this earth. I speak over every person. I say you are enough. That Jesus' blood has made you enough. And as you leave here, even if you don't have a job, even if you don't have a family, even if you don't have money, you still have the gospel. And that is the good news. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that gospel is inside of you and it is longing to come out. And I pray that God would equip you with boldness as you go about your week to be able to share his love in the moments that he's calling you to share. In Jesus' name, amen.